This is the Partnership for the Arts Talk Show, where we talk art. Welcome to Where We Talk Art. This is your host, Victor Gartner, and our guest today is Catherine Jasmine. Catherine is one of the artists whose work is available to see and purchase on the Discerning Kaleidoscope, an online store. Catherine makes bracelets that are made from objects such as iridescent beads woven together on a loom and lampwork beads, pewter, and silver. So everybody stay where you are because we are going to be back in just a moment. This is Partnership for the Arts. Come join us as we explore the world of art. You can find us on our Facebook page at Partnership for the Arts Group Talk Show. Or you can find us on our new website at pftatalkshow.org. PFTA Talk Show is recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida. We are back and we're continuing to talk with Catherine Jasmine. Welcome to Where We Talk Art. Thank you, Victor. It's so good to be with you this morning. You know, Catherine, we want our listeners to get to, to know you. And in fact, I just learned something about you just a couple of days ago. First, I want to tell my listeners that I've known you for a few years <laughs> because we're both in the same small community in Wells, Maine during the summer. And I was talking to Linda Dunoyan who is the proprietor of the Discerning Kaleidoscope. And she mentioned your name and told me that she carries your jewelry. And I said, what? Catherine makes jewelry? I, I, I never knew this. I always knew you as a person who was involved in, in marketing and a person who loved to be singing in the choir with her church. But this jewelry aspect was totally new to me. When did you uh, start doing this? Oh, Victor, it has to be... 12 to 15 years ago. I was living in, in Massachusetts at the time. And uh, I met a woman who uh, made jewelry. And actually, it started even before that. Now that I'm thinking about it, a good friend of mine gifted me mm -hmm. with a crystal bracelet that she had made. And it was a very simple affair. Um, and it, it wraps around your wrist about three times. And it was made of, of crystals. I was so pretty and I was so glad to receive it, but I was even more curious about how it was made. And she said, oh, I'll show you. I'll teach you how to do that. So she took me to a bead store and we picked out the materials and I was hooked. So I made another bracelet and gave that one away. And then I met a woman who taught jewelry making from her home. And I started to visit with her. We became very, very good friends. And before long, we had about eight women meeting every Saturday morning from about 8.30 in the morning till, till her husband got tired of us all being there and kicked us out at maybe 12.30 in the afternoon. Well, that's great that you had this group that you could get together with because that always encourages one to continue their work. And, and there's the, uh, the social, the emotional, the camaraderie, all that kind of good stuff that happens when artists get together in a group. Absolutely. One would bring something that she made or was in the process of making. We'd all get interested and she'd teach us. And so it, it grew and grew. And because we were all curious and creative, 
um, we learned more and more. We learned how to make uh, jewelry using a loom that you mentioned called kumihimo, which is a Japanese loom that uh, you can make it with or without beads. You can make it just with silk cord or some other kind of um, fabric, yarn even. Or, or you can string the, the, the beads, the crystals or beads onto the, onto the strands and then weave them through the use of this loom. Uh, that was very interesting. And of course, after doing it for a while, you kind of get tired of doing it the same old way. So you begin to create. Mm -hmm. Say, oh, I could use that kind of, what if I used a pointy bead instead of a round bead? Or what if I used a crystal instead of a, a, a ceramic bead? So all of a sudden you had something entirely new. That was one type of jewelry that we made. Uh, we also did weaving using a needle and thread something called right angle weaving where you use two needles and threads and you put on the beads and the crystals as you are working as you are weaving uh, that's probably my favorite kind of of uh, a jewelry making or you could just string beads and then put a clasp on it so right. many different things to do um, well, did you have any kind of um, creative outlet before you got into uh, making these bead jewelries um, I have more creative outlets than I could count. Um, my mother was very creative in um, the needle crafts. And so I learned how to crochet, how to knit, how to embroider, how to do cruel embroidery and needlepoint. She was a seamstress by trade um, at a time in, in, um, in the world when people made their own clothes. Yes. And she even taught me how to, how to sew. So quilting uh, came to me very easily because it's really just sewing pieces of fabric together. Mm -hmm. And I learned that only, I'd say three years ago, it was one of the crafts I kept to the, to the back and said, I really want to learn how to quilt, but I'm afraid if I do it, I'll get so immersed in it that there'll, there'll be nothing else. You know, I'll have my old whole life will be devoted to quilting. And you'll have a room in your house devoted to cloth and bolts of it that you've picked up here, there, and everywhere you can get your hands on it. Exactly. And I don't want to tell you how close I am to that right now. Creative outlets. Yes, I, I love to paint. Um, I went to art school as a, as a child. Um, never was very good at it, I thought. Uh, I used to say I can't draw a straight line between two dots. Um, but I learned that that doesn't matter. And That's right, so it doesn't. So I enjoy painting and I do some of that. What, what medium do you paint with? Um, usually acrylics, but I've, I've done oils and um, I, I learned how to use acrylic pour and alcohol inks. Well, yes, alcohol inks have become very, very big. Yeah. Yes. I made this, this giant like 48 inch round charcuterie board that I painted and then epoxied with a food grade epoxy and put on a lazy Susan base so you can stick it on your table and fill it with food and then just keep turning it and have people enjoy whatever's on that board wherever it lies. Did you say that it was, was 48 inches? Yes. Wow that is a huge board. It is. My it sits goodness. right in the middle of the table and you could put a whole buffet on it. But I think you could, yes. I love doing that. That was fun too. So jewelry making, while it remains one of my favorites, 
is also all encompassing. I mean, it just, it absorbs your time and energy and, and money. (laughs) (laughs) Those, those supplies, uh, sterling silver and Swarovski beads and, and pearls are not inexpensive. And over the years I've acquired a huge uh, supply. So whenever I want to create, I don't have to go to the store anymore. I've got plenty of that now. And if you sell some of it, then you have money for more materials. Exactly. Exactly. Now, when <laughs> when we first met, it was up in Wells, Maine. Mm-hmm. But that was just your, your summer place. That wasn't your permanent home. So where where actually is your permanent home? Now it's in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. When you and I first met, I was still living in uh, Massachusetts, a very small town called Shirley, Massachusetts. I like to talk about Shirley as uh, a town that had no uh, traffic lights. You mm. could go from one end of the town to the other with just a stop sign or two or a blinker light, no no stop lights. And uh, that's how small it was. And uh, it was fun living in a very small town. I love Shirley, Mass. But um, we decided, my husband Dwight and I, that um, if we want to retire any time before we die, we have to leave the Northeast because it's just too expensive. So that's what we did. We sold our home. And homes in the Northeast generally sell at a very nice price so that when you move out of the area, you can generally afford a nice home to retire in. Exactly. And we found a place in, in Myrtle Beach where my, my brother lives. Um, we came down to visit him after he had had some surgery and I had a, a second little hidden agenda on that journey to visit some, some developments and, and check out the area. And that's what we did. We found a nice community and bought a lot there and, and built a home. I hope it is our forever home because uh, moving is no fun. <laughs> yes. We're, that have is you not been, a creative outlet at all. <laughs> during the time you've been yeah. At Myrtle Beach, have you been affected by any of the hurricanes that have come up the coast? Thankfully, no. Um, affected, it got windy. We lost a lot of pine cones in our trees, some in our trees. In some of the uh, some of the smaller branches came down in the backyard because we back up onto a forest. But um, certainly, when I look at the devastation in Florida and in other places. Um, you can't complain at all. You, you just have to say, thank the Lord. That's all we experience. Just some wind right. and lots of rain. Hurricane so. Ida about two and a half weeks ago hit the Southwest Florida coast where we live quite hard. <laughs> and the amount of debris from the storm is, is just overwhelming. It, mm. It's frightening how much stuff has been ripped from homes. And uh, my wife and I are very fortunate in that uh, our house had relatively minimal damage. It's it's still very livable. We have a couple of holes here and there, but uh, they'll get fixed and we will move on. Good. You have to have that attitude for sure. Your heart goes out to those that weren't as fortunate. You're you're certainly right about that. Well, Catherine, you were you were in marketing, and and you still are. You still have your mm-hmm. finger in marketing, right? And I, I have to um, confess my ignorance that I have absolutely no idea what marketing is. Oh, okay. Well, marketing has lots of components. I mean, I could give you a whole um, 
a tutorial about marketing, which I've, I've done many, many times. I've done many presentations uh, on marketing. But now, give, give us the uh, the elevator speech version <laughs> of that. Um, marketing creates the traffic that allows you to sell. Marketing is not sales. Uh, marketing is not advertising, although advertising is a component of marketing. Mm. But it really is uh, a way to get exposure for your company, for your brand, for your product or your service. And um, so that people become engaged and then you can sell them whatever it is you want to sell them. Um, my part of marketing, my favorite part of marketing has always been the writing part. You need to write something when you're marketing and when you're advertising, you need to write ads or website content or newsletters or anything that's going to tell your story or tell something of interest and of assistance to others that um, they can use that will make them think of you and think of your company. So Mm -hmm. I do a lot of newsletters and um, web content. And that's the part I've always liked. I've always said I've come full circle in my career. When I was very young, in my 20s, I used to write for newspapers and I enjoyed writing and I was a um, features writer. So I'd go out on on call, the editor would say, I want you to go visit so-and-so and and learn about such and such and write a story. And I did a lot of fun things and I really enjoyed that. So uh, when I got into marketing, I always was into the writing part. I've always been a, a decent writer and I've always thought that everyone wrote everyone had the capability of writing and what i learned over the years is that's not true even a a ceo in a uh, large company might not be able to put three sentences together to write a decent letter they've got somebody else to do that Mm -hmm. and so i enjoy putting words in other people's mouths and i've done that for years in um as i said in doing newsletters or uh, whatever brochure copy, that type of thing. And since that's my favorite, now that I am semi-retired, I I gravitate to those kinds of assignments. So I have clients that I've had for more than 10 years, most of them in New England, that I deal with uh, on a virtual basis. So when COVID hit and everyone had to stay home and work virtually, that was nothing new to me. So it came naturally and thankfully it didn't interrupt my my business very much very good. Uh, so that was that was great and you've been able to share with linda denoyan some of your your, your thoughts about uh, marketing so that uh, she can be more successful and the artists that uh, join her online store might have more success in selling uh, their products I have. Um, I have given her some hints about her um, her shows when she does trade shows and arts and crafts shows and whatnot. And um, some of the things about engaging people on social media. So I'm hoping that those kinds of marketing hints are helping. Mm-hmm. And she knows that I'd be happy to you know, assist her in any way I can in the future because I have a vested interest sure. <laughs> as, as one of her artisans. Um I enjoy making all kinds of jewelry and what I have on her site, bracelets and necklace. I have some necklaces uh, in an effort not to overlap with some other artists. Some of the things I've made, I don't 
display on her website. But um, I try to give her things that are a little bit more unusual by having some of the, the right angle weaving and some of the kumihimo and uh, a few of the pearl uh, necklaces and earring sets. Right. But, yeah, they are beautiful pieces of work. You. I was looking at them last night and I thought, you know, there could be a Christmas present in there. I should be thinking about. I won't mention anything to Nada about that, but yeah, I think I think that's possibly in the works. Well, that would be fabulous. One of the things I learned as part of my own marketing when I was selling my own things on my own uh, was that I don't go to trade shows. I don't go to arts and craft shows because generally speaking, when people go there, unless it's a juried show, um, people, customers are looking to spend little money. Mm. They want to get a pair of earrings for $10 or maybe 15. They don't want to spend 25 or $30. Swarovski crystals are very expensive. And mm. when you're doing a piece of jewelry where there's 200 that adds uh, up. crystals in them, it adds up. And a lot of my pieces are over a hundred dollars. The right. ones that are given to, to Linda are much more affordable, but certainly people who are going to arts and craft shows are not looking to spend 60 or $70 on a bracelet, um, $40 on a pair of earrings. They want a bargain. And I'm that way too when I go, so I can't blame them. So I explained to Linda that where I found the best success was having home shows. And I would invite only the people I knew, which meant I didn't advertise on Facebook or any other social media. I would just tell people, uh, send them messages or uh, email them and say I was having my my annual Christmas open house, let's say. Mm -hmm. And I would do this in early December or late November after Thanksgiving. Another thing is you never have a show for one day for just a couple of hours because you, you cross off a lot of people who just can't come during that right. time. So I used to do it Friday from the close of school. I got feedback from teachers saying, I'd like to come after school closes on Friday. And so that's what I did. And I stayed open until maybe six o'clock, then Saturday all day and Sunday from noon to five. Hmm. So, so I gave people a choice of three days. And then I would have Christmas music playing, get them sure. in the mood. Yes. <laughs> I would have uh, home-baked cookies out. And in the afternoon, I would put wine out. You know, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and so that was very successful for me because my friends would come. We would sit and chat. We would have lovely conversations. They would tell me about Aunt Susie and she, you know, what can I get her for Christmas? And we'd find something that, that would suit her. And um, I, as I said, I was very successful with that. Uh, for a jeweler, I would say to other jewelers out there, always ask if you're going to do an arts and craft show, how many jewelers are contracted for this mm -hmm. show? Because when you go through any show, you will see more jewelry than anything else. And unless your stuff really stands out as different, it's going to be missed. Right. People know that there's lots of jewelers there, so they rarely buy from the first booth they stop at. They want to see what else is out there before sure. they put their money down. So how do you wind up starting to put your your 
bracelets and other types of jewelry on the online store, the uh, Discerning Kaleidoscope? Linda kind of discovered me. Um, I, I don't even remember how, but she learned that I did jewelry and mm -hmm. she asked me if I, you know, could send her some photos of things that she sure. could at, at things. I was in South Carolina at the time. And then uh, she had an occasion where she was asked to do an arts and crafts show with very little lead time. Mm -hmm. And um, it was in a very upscale area of Massachusetts. And they specifically asked her for jewelry. And so she called me and I shipped her a lot of things so she would have some inventory to put out on the tables. And um, that's basically how we got started. So it's it's been good. She's um, she's a wonderful person and she really supports her artists. She does it that um, and she has a great appreciation for handcrafted items. Mm -hmm. uh, and and that's wonderful. You know, it, it, it feels good knowing that she's going to take care of your things and and um, really do her best to market them for you. Yes, I think she's a very creative person. And like you say, mm -hmm. she's very personable and she tries her best to be supportive. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And she's very into customer service and doing it right. So mm -hmm. those kinds of things put together a nice package. But when I moved, I decided um, I don't really look to to sell my items elsewhere. You know, Linda Linda has sort of an exclusive right now on my items. Um, and uh, and I like it that way. It's good. Very good. I'm glad it works out for you. If people want to see your work, how do they find it? Right now, they'd have to go to the, the Discerning Kaleidoscope. Um, I had a website myself, but I no longer um, maintain it. Sure, um, because as I said, I just, uh, you know, I've sort of get handed everything over to Linda to take care of. And uh, people just have to Google the Discerning Kaleidoscope and it will I take know. you right to the website. And they have two different uh, formats. They have the mobile setup and then the other setup that's for folks who are using their computers. Mm -hmm. They're mostly the same, but a little different. And they also have a Facebook page uh, on which uh, Linda posts all the time. She does these very nice videos. Um, I think she, she titles them What's in the Box. Yes, I like those myself. Yes. They're fun to watch and you get to see uh, any new items that have come into her and uh, she describes them and gives you some information about the artist. So they're, they're always fun. And those are good. Um, she's done some contests online. She's doing some uh, fundraising for various outside groups uh, online. And uh, it all is meant to create um, engagement. That's what it's all about. If yes. you don't get someone's attention, they're never going to buy from you. So so that's what it's all about. And, and who should know more than you about, <laughs> because you are uh, the queen of marketing. You, you know these things. <laughs> I think so. After, I don't know how many years, I want to say <laughs> too many years. All right, Catherine, I, I appreciate your time. And I appreciate everything that you had to say, both about the marketing, and <laughs> about the discerning kaleidoscope and about your artwork. So I don't know if we'll cross paths again in the future, but I certainly hope that we do. I so, hope so. You have right. to come to Maine every once in a while and visit. 
you know, that is a plan is, is to go up uh, to Maine. And so we, we might spend a day or two in Kennebunk or somewhere around there. So we will cross paths. So you take care. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye. What we were doing today was uh, really talking a lot about an online store. And the reason why I'm talking about that is because there are a number of artists who are connected with this. And we at Where We Talk Art and in Partnership for the Arts are really about providing a platform for artists to talk about their work, promote themselves, and have a chance for the public to get to know who these wonderful people are. Go and support your local artists who are making one-of-a-kind jewelry just for you. Until we meet again, be well. Thanks for listening to the Partnership for the Arts talk show. 